Surah An-Nur, we will begin from ayah number 11. Inna al-ladhina, indeed those people who, ja'u, they came, bil-ifki, with the falsehood. Those people who came up with the falsehood. Those people who invented the falsehood. Who are they? Allah says they are usbatum minkum. They are a group among you. And this, if this big lie, la tahsabuhu, do not think of it, sharral lakum, as evil for you. This whole lie that came up, this whole slander that came up, don't think of it as something evil for you. Why? Because bal rather huwa khayrul lakum. It was in fact good for you. It wasn't bad for you. It was actually good for you. Something that hurt you so much, but still there was good in it. Now what is this ifk? What is this lie that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is referring to in this ayah? Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrated, this incident is reported in many books of hadith. It's found in Bukhari. It's found in Musnad Ahmad. There's no doubt about its authenticity. Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, that whenever the Prophet ﷺ would go on a journey, whenever he would go on any expedition, he would take along with him one of his wives. All right. Now obviously, so many of them, he couldn't take them along with him on every trip. Right. So he had to choose one. So how would he choose which one would accompany him on the journey? He would draw lots between them. So you know, for example, putting everybody's name on a piece of paper, all right, and then tossing those pieces of paper together and just picking one. Right? So he drew lots somehow. Not paper, but somehow he drew lots. So whoever's name would come up, alright, she would accompany the Prophet ﷺ on that trip. I was just thinking that how loving was Rasulullah ﷺ that when he traveled, even if it was for a few days, even if it was for a battle, he would take one of his wives with him. Why do you think he would take one of his wives with him? Because they also need to go. Right? I mean, generally what happens? The wife is just at home watching the kids, right? Doing all the daily mundane chores, and the husband is having a great time, going to a halaqa, going to a class, traveling here, going there. And the poor wife is just stuck in one, you know, vicious cycle almost, that she's just sucked into. There's no escape for her. But the Prophet ﷺ, what did he do? Every trip he would take along one wife with him. Because she also needs to travel. She also needs to go out and see the world and experience and learn. Because you learn from experience what you don't learn at home. So she said that when the Prophet ﷺ was going on a particular expedition, my name came up, so I went along with him. Now what was this expedition? This happened after the Battle of Khandaq. Alright, and the Battle of Khandaq, the Battle of the Trench was in the sixth year, and this particular expedition is known as the expedition of Banu Mustalaq. Alright? So on this expedition, the Prophet ﷺ took along with him Aisha radiallahu anha. And she said that this was after the commandment of hijab had been revealed. Because the commandment of hijab was revealed right after the Battle of Khandaq, the Battle of the Trench. Suratul Ahzab was revealed at that time. And Suratul Ahzab has the ayat of hijab. So in other words, when she went on this journey, she was observing hijab. All right. Now she said that we traveled, the Prophet ﷺ, he completed his campaign, and then we were on our way back to Medina. She said that as we approached Medina, we stopped for a little while. Right. So they stopped for a little while, and 
after some time when the announcement was made that okay everybody get ready we're going to start going again we're going to travel again we're going to make our way to Medina Aisha radhiyallahu anha said that I went to use the bathroom all right because before starting the journey she wanted to relieve herself so she quickly went to use the bathroom all right and when she came back she felt her chest and she realized that her necklace was not there do you see anything interesting over here she's traveling and what is she wearing a necklace and she's wearing a necklace even though she's wearing hijab so what does that mean she's wearing hijab but under the hijab is is the necklace under the hijab is not unwashed hair all right uncombed hair all right under the hijab is not dirty clothes or pajamas what is she wearing under the hijab jewelry and if she's wearing jewelry under her hijab that means she's nicely dressed as well even though she is traveling even though she is traveling anyway so she said that she felt her necklace was not there so she realized it had fallen somewhere so what did she do she returned in order to find her necklace now what happened she comes back and she sees everybody has gone everybody had left now why is it that they didn't notice that she was not there because she was traveling in a hawda what is a hawda it's like a box kind of a thing not really a box but like a special seat all right with a covering on top and also on the sides so that you're not in the sun all right and also so that she could have privacy if she wants to take her hijab off you know she can sit relaxed all right when basically people are camped somewhere they take the hawda off the camel all right so that means that when they were leaving they had to pick up the hawda and put it back on the camel so she said that the people put it back and they didn't realize that i was not inside what does that mean she was very lightweight she wore a hijab but she was fit all right she was fit because sometimes what happens is that with big hijabs we because everything is covered right everything is hidden so we don't care about our bodies we don't care because when we're going out we just cover everything up and we don't care about the health of our body so anyway Aisha radhiyallahu anha she said that she was very light at that time and in particular she explained that at that time people only ate mouthfuls of food we didn't have much to eat so because of that reason also she was very light so when they put the hawda on the camel they didn't realize that she was not there now what happened when she comes back she sees everybody's gone and what did she do she said that i came back to the place where we had stopped and i just sat there right so where her camel was that is where she sat thinking that eventually they're going to realize i'm missing and they're going to come back to look for me and when they come back to look for me they better find me here and not somewhere else in the desert anything interesting over here that you notice huh she doesn't wander off herself rather she stops right there because she knows that eventually they will realize she was missing and they're going to come look for her and when they come look for her obviously they're going to go back on their tracks so she'd rather be on those tracks right so she stayed there she said that i was waiting there i sat there and i fell asleep so what does that mean it took quite a while right so anyway she fell asleep she said that all of a sudden she heard someone saying inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un she heard a man saying to allah we belong and to allah we shall return when do you say this when a disaster has happened right 
Who was this man that said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun? It was the companion of the Prophet ﷺ, Safwan radiallahu anhu. What was Safwan radiallahu anhu doing over there? His job was basically to be behind the army or behind the caravan. Alright? That was his job. So he would always be behind the caravan. Why? To make sure that nothing had been forgotten, nothing had been left, and if something needed to be you know, picked up or something, that, then that was his job. Right? So Safwan radiallahu anhu, he came by this place and he finds Aisha radiallahu anha sleeping over there. So basically he recognized her, even though she was wearing hijab, or at that time when she was sleeping, her hijab must have been off. Right? Or meaning her face was exposed. So he recognized her because he had seen her before she covered herself. So what happened? Aisha radiallahu anha said, By Allah, he did not speak a word to me after that. He did not say anything. He didn't address me. He didn't say anything to me. All he did was he brought his camel, brought it to me. I sat on the camel. The camel stood up. It started walking. He was leading the camel. And that was it. The entire trip was how? Was done in pure Silence. Not a word from him, not a word from me. Nothing at all. He was quiet the whole time. And then eventually by Zuhr time, they caught up with the Muslims. Meaning with the Prophet ﷺ, with the army. And then they traveled back to Medina. So Aisha radiallahu anha got home. Now what happened? When she got home, she became sick. Right? And it happens many times. You travel, you get back, and you're sick. Right? So she said she was sick. And she was sick for about a whole month. And she said that, I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what the people were talking about. I was sick. But I noticed something, that the Prophet ﷺ was not this, the way he used to be with me. Meaning there was something in the air. There was some you know, discomfort in the air. There was some awkwardness. He was not as open with me. It, it was like as if he was upset or preoccupied with something. There was something not right. But she did not confront the Prophet ﷺ, nor did he bring anything up because she was ill. She was unwell. Does that teach us anything? Does that teach us anything? What? What does it teach us? Hmm? Be considerate. That even if there's something that you want to talk about with the other person, if they've got a headache, they're tired after a whole day's work, Right? They're stressed out because of their work. Don't you know, stress them out more by confronting them or by talking to them about their problems. Or about your problems rather. Right? You should talk to them about their problems, but about your problems, why worry them even more? Many times it happens with husband and wife. Right? That the husband comes home extremely tired and exhausted. And what does the wife do? You know, this son of ours... He's really stressing me out. And by the way, you have to fill the gas in my car. And by the way, I haven't had a car wash since like a month. My car is filthy, inside out. And this weekend, make sure you clean my car. Poor guy has been waiting for the weekend. He's been waiting for the evening. And you give him a whole list of things to do to stress him out even more. So what does he do to shut you out? He turns the TV on really loud. And then you come and say, Lahu. Lahu. You know Lahu? What is lahu? Useless, vain talk. Right? And then you said, turn that off, turn that off. There's music, there's this, there's that. Turn that off. You're wasting your time. Go read Quran. When is the last time you picked up a dua book? 
Right? You make him feel bad. So what does he do? He leaves the living room, he goes into the basement. And then you follow him in the basement. Then he says, you know what? I better get out. So he goes out. He avoids you even more because he doesn't want more work dumped on him. He doesn't want to you know, feel guilty about the fact that he's relaxing. Look at the Prophet ﷺ. A whole month passes by. And by the way, what's on the Prophet ﷺ's mind is something very, very serious, as you will learn. But he doesn't talk to Aisha because she is sick. He doesn't want her to feel stressed out about it. Because she's sick. And Aisha also, she doesn't bring it up. Because if the Prophet ﷺ is holding something back, there must be a reason. There must be a reason. And what happens generally? When two people are friends, or husband and wife, oh, you have to tell me everything. Everything. And then the other person is made to feel bad that there should be no you know, secrets. You see, there should be privacy, not secrecy. What is privacy? That everyone has their own you know, space. Everyone needs their own space. But what is important, what is necessary to be shared, of course that should be shared. So anyway, Aisha says, a whole month passes by, and all I sense is that there's some awkwardness with the Prophet ﷺ. There's something, and he's not talking about it, but she didn't confront him. So what happened? She said, one night, I went out with one of her friends, all right, and she was Umm Mistah. Right, one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, Mistah, he had come from Mecca, he had done hijrah. And his mother, right, she was with Aisha ﷺ, so they both went out at night to use the bathroom. So she said that we were on our way back, and Umm Mistah, she basically, you know, her foot or something got caught in her clothes, and she almost tripped. Alright? So when that happened, she said something bad about Mistah, her son. And what is it that she said? May Mistah be ruined. Alright? So Umm Mistah, she's walking. She almost trips. And she says, May Mistah be ruined. Alright? Now why is it that she said that? What's the connection over here? You see, when there's something bothering you in your mind, right? There's something bothering you. Then what happens when you get hurt? All your worries, they become fresh. Right? So this means that Mistah had done something which Umm Mistah was very upset about. Alright? And so when she got hurt, she said, May Mistah be ruined. So Aisha she said, What are you saying? What a bad thing you have said. Why are you saying that your own son be ruined? Are you abusing a man who was present at Badr? Mistah was present at Badr. He witnessed the battle of Badr. Why are you saying something bad about him? And what's the connection over here? Right? So Umm Mistah said, Have you not heard what Mistah has said? Do you not know what he's been saying? She said, what did he say? What's going on? So then Umm Mistah told Aisha anha what had been going on since the past month. Since the time that she had returned from the expedition of Banu Mustalaq. And what was it that had happened? That when Safwan anhu was joining the Muslims, the Muslim army, and Aisha anha was riding his camel, and the two were seen approaching Abdullah ibn Ubay. Who was he? The chief hypocrite. He said that something bad has happened here. Meaning, he basically accused both of them of adultery, of fornication. 
Abdullah ibn Ubay, the chief of the hypocrites, he said that the two have done something wrong. You know, this was a whole scheme. She stayed behind deliberately, and he also stayed behind deliberately, and something bad happened, and now they're coming back. So Abdullah ibn Ubay said this about who? The wife of the Prophet ﷺ, Ummul Mu'mineen. He said this about Safwan anhu, the great companion of Rasulullah ﷺ. And when he said this, what happened? Many people were just quiet. They were just shocked that what has he even said? And many others were like, possible. Generally, this is the reaction, right? When somebody accuses someone, right, of something that has no basis, many people, they become quiet, and many people, they join. They join how? That they pass on what they have heard. They pass on what they have heard. So this was an accusation, and then it turned into a rumor, and this rumor, it spread in Medina. Many people were talking about it, but in particular, there were three companions of the Prophet ﷺ, three Muslims, and they were sincere believers, all right, who participated in this meeting, who said this about Aisha anha and Safwan anhu. So when Aisha anha learned about this, that for a whole month, this is what people have been talking about? And this is why Rasulullah ﷺ is so quiet? And people think that I have done this? How could they think like this about me? She was so distressed that she became even more ill. She said, I went home and I wept and wept and I got even more ill. And she said, when the Prophet ﷺ came home that evening, she said, how is the lady? Meaning he asked Aisha ﷺ, how are you doing? But he didn't address her directly in the first person, that how are you? He said, how is the lady? And this shows that there's something you know, in his heart that he's not totally comfortable with her. So Aisha she said that please allow me to go to my parents' house. I would like to go and stay with my parents for a few days until I get better and then I will return. Notice something over here. Aisha does not confront the Prophet about this matter at all. She doesn't talk to him about this at all. Why? Because she said, I wanted to confirm this information from my parents first. I wanted to know if what Umm Mistah had told me was even true in the first place. You see Aisha anha over here? Just because somebody said something to her, yes, it's hurtful, yes, possibly it's true, but she doesn't accept it, she doesn't believe in it 100%, unless and until she has confirmed it from someone else. And she doesn't confirm it from the Prophet ﷺ because she knows that it, this is a matter that concerns him also. Right? She doesn't want to bring anything up, so she goes to her parents' house. When she goes to her parents' house, she speaks to her mother, and when her mother confirms that yes, this is what people have been talking about, Aisha anha, she said, Subhanallah, are the people really talking about that? And she said she wept through the whole night until morning. She said, my tears would not stop. I could not sleep at all. And the whole night passed, the morning came, and I was still crying. And my mother comforted me that, Yaish, be easy on yourself, for wallahi never does a good man love his wife as much as yours, except that people talk about her. Meaning people know that your husband loves you. And your husband is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa People know that. 
And whenever a wife is loved by her husband, then what will happen? People will talk about her. People will come up with one thing or another to ruin their relationship. So ignore this. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she was extremely distressed about this matter. What happened? The Prophet ﷺ, during this time, this whole month, no wahi came, no revelation came concerning this matter. So basically, he was in the dark about this also. He had no clue actually happened, whether this accusation was true, whether it was not true, he had no idea. But he knew for sure that Abdullah ibn Ubay, when he started this, what is he doing basically? He's taking revenge from the Prophet ﷺ. Because he wants to be even with him, right? Because remember, this is after the sixth year. And so far, the hypocrites have done much. And many ayat have been revealed in the Qur'an exposing the hypocrites. And Abdullah bin Ubay is losing his you know, fame in Medina. People don't respect him, don't love him, don't listen to him as much as they used to before. So he basically wants to attack the Prophet ﷺ. He wants to get even with him. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was in the masjid and he consulted the companions. He said, who can help me against this Abdullah bin Ubay? Because he has hurt me concerning my family. He's now attacking my family. And he is accusing a man, meaning Safwan radiallahu anhu, about whom we only know good. Meaning this man has a very good reputation, but Abdullah bin Ubay has started this, and he's going on and on about this rumor. He's spreading it, and this rumor is gaining momentum. Something needs to be done. Someone needs to stop him. So what happened? This particular companion, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh radiallahu anhu, he was an Ansari. He stood up, and he said, Ya Rasulullah, allow me. Allow me. I will deal with this man. I will finish him. So basically he said, I'll kill him. Alright? Now this was something very serious because killing a person just like that is something not acceptable. Especially if that person claims to be a Muslim. Alright? But remember that on the other hand, Abdullah bin Ubay, he had many relatives in Medina. And remember that Arabs, they had this tribal system, right? So if someone was from your tribe, even if they're in a different religion, Right? Even if you have disagreements with them, even if you hate them, you disagree with them, you will still support them. So certain other companions who were from the same tribe as that of Abdullah bin Ubayd, they stood up. And they said, no way, you cannot do anything to him. You cannot harm him. You cannot say anything to him. And now other companions stood up. So basically there was a big fight going on in the masjid. And the Prophet ﷺ is just quiet. And then he silenced them, he calmed them down. But basically, nothing came about from that discussion. Alright? Now the Prophet ﷺ consulted two of his companions. He spoke to Ali radiallahu anhu. He said, Ali, what do you think? What do you say? Because you see, there's no wahi coming. No guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is coming concerning this matter. So the Prophet ﷺ is speaking to the people who are close to him. So he spoke to Ali radiallahu anhu. Ali radiallahu anhu said something very interesting. He said, Ya Rasulullah, you know, she's just one wife of yours. You can divorce her. And if you do, no loss here. Right? Allah will give you someone better. Okay? Now, this is the reason why, by the way, later on, Aisha radiallahu anha, whenever she mentions Ali radiallahu anhu in anything, she doesn't take his name. She doesn't take his name. She says, a man. A man. She doesn't take his name. Why? Because she was deeply offended by what Ali radiallahu anhu said. Alright? That how could he even suggest to the Prophet ﷺ to divorce me? Okay? But if you think about it, Ali radiallahu anhu, he said this not because he had something against Aisha radiallahu anha, but simply because he didn't want to see the Prophet ﷺ in that stress. 
Right? Because if you think about it, the situation was so unique. I mean, the accusation did not carry any weight. The only way that guilt could be established was if there was confession. Right? But neither of them were confessing. But at the same time, this was a very big accusation. And this is something that creates distrust between husband and wife. And if there's distrust, then how can there be happiness? How can a person be relaxed at home? So Ali anhu was basically giving a way out to the Prophet ﷺ that, Ya Rasulullah, just simply divorce her. You'll be fine. You know, it's okay. You'll be fine. And he further said that, you know, if you really want to know more about her, then you should speak to those who are closest to her to find out about her reputation and her habits. Right? Even though a husband knows his wife really well, but still her friends know her. Right? A woman who knows her best. Her husband and also her friends. So Ali radiallahu anhu suggested that, Ya Rasulullah, you speak to her friends. And he suggested in particular Barira. Who was Barira? The freed slave of Aisha radiallahu anha. But she loved her so much that she used to stay with Aisha radiallahu anha and she used to serve her and everything. So basically, Barira radiallahu anha is called and she is now being interrogated. Have you seen anything about Aisha that is wrong? That is not good. Have you sensed anything ever that would suggest that perhaps she did do this? Right? That this accusation is true. So Barira, she's so scared, she cannot think of anything, you know, any sin or anything negative about Aisha radiallahu anha. She cannot recall anything at all. So what does she say? She says something very cute. She says, Wallahi, I have not seen anything from her except that sometimes she's supposed to knead the dough and she falls asleep and the goat comes and eats the dough when she sleeps. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing negative that Barira can come up with about Aisha anha. Right? That's the only thing that she can complain about to her husband about Aisha anha. I mean, I was just thinking that if I was in her place, there would be a list of problems. She does this, she says this, she does this, she says this. But Aisha radiallahu anha, what is her only fault? In the mind of Barira, that when she has to knead the dough, she leaves it, she falls asleep, and the goat comes and eats it up. That's the mistake that Aisha makes. Anyway, the Prophet ﷺ is quiet. He does not say anything. What happens? The Prophet ﷺ, he goes to see Aisha radiallahu anha at the house of Abu Bakr, right? In her parents' house. And when he goes to her, he basically asks her that, Ya Aisha, I have been told such and such thing about you. Meaning people have said this about you, that you have committed evil with Safwan. If you are innocent, Allah will expose your innocence. Meaning don't worry. Then you don't need to worry at all. If you're innocent, if you haven't done anything wrong, you don't need to worry. Allah will clarify your innocence. He will expose your innocence. He will reveal it. But if you have committed a sin, if, then seek Allah's forgiveness and turn in repentance to Him. For when a servant confesses his sin and repents to Allah, Allah accepts his repentance. You see over here, the Prophet ﷺ, what he's saying to Aisha anha, he's not assuming anything. He's not assuming anything. But the fact that he is suggesting tawbah, even, what does it show? His love for Aisha. 
that even if something bad has happened, you know, just do tawbah, leave it. Just don't stay in that sin. Do tawbah. And look at the hope that He's giving her. If something bad has happened, do tawbah. And Allah, He accepts repentance. Meaning, doesn't matter how great the sin is, do tawbah, Allah accepts repentance. And see how the Prophet ﷺ is almost taking himself out of the picture completely? Because a man, I mean, he has ghira, he has some protective jealousy for his wife. If a man is even told, oh, your wife was sitting next to this man, what happens to him? Gets angry, how dare you? And he will go and smack her and lock her up in the house and take the car keys away and check her phone and not trust her with anything. Look at how the Prophet ﷺ is literally taking himself out of the equation and he's just treating it as Aisha radiallahu problem. That if this has happened, if you haven't done anything, you're innocent, Allah will make that clear. If you are guilty, then do tawbah. This is a matter between you and your Lord. Do tawbah and Allah will accept your repentance. So Aisha radiallahu anha, what did she do? She was quiet and then she said to her father, Please respond to the Prophet ﷺ. Meaning you say something. I'm not saying anything. And this shows that she was upset. Alright? Her father says, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything to say. So she says to her mother, You say something. Meaning, somebody speak in my defense. Somebody take sides with me please. Who's gonna speak up for me? Father is quiet. Mother is quiet. And then Aisha anha. She said that even though I was really young and I had not really memorized much of the Qur'an, but I said, by Allah, I know that you have heard so much of the story that it has become planted in your minds and you have started to believe in it. That you have heard it over and over and over again and now you almost believe in it. So now if I tell you that I am innocent and Allah knows that I am innocent, you won't believe me. You won't take my word for it. But if I admit something to you and Allah knows that I am innocent, if I do admit, you will believe me. You understand? That if I tell you I'm innocent, you're not going to believe me. But if I tell you I'm guilty, you will believe me. So it's not about what I say. It's because you've heard this over and over and over again that you've started to believe in it yourselves. She said, by Allah, I cannot find any example to give you except for that which the Prophet Yusuf's father said, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ وَاللَّهُ الْمُسْتَعَانُ عَلَى مَا تَصِفُونَ She's quoting the Qur'an over here. فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ Beautiful patience. And Allah's help is sought over that which you make up. Meaning the lie that you are saying. The lie that people have said about me, I only seek Allah's help against that. And I am going to observe beautiful patience. Sabrun Jameel. So Aisha radiallahu anha, she said, I just turned my face away after that, and I lay down on my bed. So basically she wasn't looking at anybody, she turned her back towards everybody, and she was laying down on her bed, she was still ill, and she said that my tears just stopped. My tears just stopped. No more tears were coming. My eyes were just completely dry. And what happened? The Prophet ﷺ received wahi at that time. He received revelation. Angel Jibreel brought kalamullah to him. Aisha radiallahu anha said that I knew that I was innocent and I knew that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would reveal my innocence. But I thought that maybe the Prophet ﷺ would just see a dream, right? Or something like that would happen that would show to him that I was innocent. 
I never thought that Allah would reveal Quran concerning my case. She said, I considered myself to be too small, too insignificant. Too insignificant that Allah would reveal Quran in my case. But Allah revealed Quran in my case. And the Prophet ﷺ, when the wahi stopped, he said, Be glad, O Aisha, Allah has declared your innocence. Because these ayat were revealed on Rasulullah ﷺ at that time. He said, Be glad, Allah has declared your innocence. So Aisha Anha is just laying there, shocked, quiet. What just happened? Like seriously? Allah revealed my innocence? So her mother, she says to him, Get up and go to your husband and thank him. She said, By Allah, I will not go to him. And I will not praise anyone except Allah. May he be glorified. For he is the one who has proven my innocence. Allah is the one who has proven my innocence, so I will praise and glorify only Him at this point. I sought only His help, and He alone helped me. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these ayat. What are these ayat? Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ Indeed, those people who جَاءُوا بِالْإِفْكِ Who came up with the ifk. Ifk. What does ifk mean? Lie. Hamza fa kaf. Afaka. Afaka is to change the manner or to change the state or the direction of something. Right? It is to change the manner, the state, the direction of something that it was originally upon. Right? So change it away from that. And from this, the word if is used for a lie. Lie. Falsehood. Because what is a lie? A lie is a statement that is turned from reality. Right? From reality. It's not the correct representation of reality. It has been turned away from reality. It is turned away from its proper manner. So what is the if referring to? The slander. The slander, the accusation of zina against Aisha and Safwan radiallahu anhu. Allah says those people who came up with this if, who are they? They are usbatum minkum. They are a group from among you. Usba, ain sadba. Usb literally means to twist, to bind, to fold something tightly. So for example, strands of wool or thread, alright, and bind them, twist them, wind them, fold them tightly. And when you do that, what happens? You have a very strong rope, right? So this is usb. From this, the word usba. What is usba? A band, a group of men. Right? A band or a group of men that come together to defend one another. Like a league, a union. So they are an usba minkum from you, meaning they are a group from among the believers. They're from you. People who came up with the slander, they're from you. They're not from the kuffar of Makkah. They're not from the Yahud of Medina. No, they're not from your enemies. Rather, they are your people, they are believers. Who were they? In particular, three companions were involved. Two men and one woman. And who were they? First of all, Mistah bin Usatha. And Mistah radiallahu anhu, he had immigrated from Makkah. So who was he? Who was he? A muhajir. Alright? And he was also a relative of Aisha radiallahu anha. He was also related to Aisha radiallahu anha. Secondly, it was Hassan bin Sabit. 
Now Hassan bin Thabit radiallahu anhu, who was he? Any idea? Exactly, he's the poet, the poet of the Prophet ﷺ. He is the one who said poetry in defense of the Prophet ﷺ. And when he said it, the Prophet ﷺ made dua for him. He said, Allahumma ayyidhu bi ruhil qudus. Oh Allah, help him through ruhul qudus, meaning through Jibreel. Have Jibreel help him. Imagine, this is Hassan bin Sabit, a great companion of the Prophet ﷺ. But even he said this slander against Aisha radiallahu anha. Who was the third person? It was Hamna bint Jahsh. And who was Hamna bint Jahsh? The sister of Zainab bint Jahsh. And who was Zainab bint Jahsh? The wife of the Prophet ﷺ. Usbatum minkum. They are your own people. You see, sometimes there are people who are very close to you. Who are known to be good people. Who have a very good reputation. You only expect good from them. But after all, they are human beings. And so you hear words from them that are very hurtful. You receive something from them that is very annoying. But let it go. Why? Because after all, who are they? Human beings. They are human beings. Imagine Hassan bin Sabit, Hamna radiallahu anha, and Mistah, they all did great things for the religion of Allah. They were all great supporters of the Prophet ﷺ, very close companions of the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, these names are famous names. They are companions who had a good reputation. But still, the Prophet ﷺ and his wife, they were hurt because of what they had said. And this happens. This is normal. Our problem is that when we are dealing with people, you know, for example, if there's someone from an Islamic organization, or for example, someone who's very knowledgeable, or someone who has a very, you know, respected position in your community, then you place them on such a high pedestal that you expect only perfection from them. And when they say something that hurts us, or when they say something that is annoying, we completely lose any kind of respect for them. We think, oh, they have no good in them. They have no good in them. You know, for instance, sometimes people say, I wish I never knew any teacher of Islamic knowledge personally. Because once I get to know them, I begin to lose respect for them. You know why? Because we think that people who have Islamic knowledge, they are angels. We think they're angels. They will have no family problems. They will have no issues with their spouse or with their friends. And we think they are just perfect human beings. And even if they make one small mistake, oh, they're not worthy of any respect. They're not worthy of any respect. This world is a place of imperfection. And that means that the people who live in this world are also imperfect. And all people, who are they? They make mistakes. They're sinful. Aren't they? Every human being makes mistakes. Yes, some mistakes are private and some become public. But remember, human beings make mistakes. Even the companions of the Prophet ﷺ could make mistakes. Then what do you expect from people who are around you? People who are in your family. Maybe your father-in-law, or your mother-in-law, or your sister-in-law, or your teacher, or someone who helps you learn the Qur'an. Whoever they may be. 
We expect only perfection from people. And when they hurt us, we lose respect for them. What do we learn from this? Allah says, عُسْبَةٌ minkum. They are still from among you. They are from you. Or sometimes what we do is that when someone makes a mistake, someone hurts us, we completely cut them off from our life. Right? So for example, my sister-in-law, she says words that are very hurtful. So you know what? I'm not going to bother calling her. I don't want her in my house. I don't want to do anything with her. She can live her own life. I can live my own life. We cut off from people who annoy us. That is not the solution. عُسْبَةٌ minkum. They are of you. They are part of you. They're still a part of your life. They're still a part of your community. Forgive them. عُسْبَةٌ minkum. And look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us think positively in this situation. Allah says, لَا تَحْسَبُوهُ شَرًّا لَكُمْ Don't think of this ifk to be evil for you. Don't think that it was purely evil. It brought only shar to you. No, بَلْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ It was in reality very good for you. It brought much good to you. Imagine this slander that made Aisha anha so sick, worse than before. She wept the whole night. It created tension between Rasulullah and his wife. It hurt so many people. But what does Allah say? What does Allah say? Don't think it's evil for you. It was good for you. What does this teach us? That no matter what happens, be positive. Always look at the bright side. No matter what plan fails, no matter what disaster happens, no matter what loss is incurred, no matter what you know relationship is ruined, whatever happens, any loss, any pain, any suffering, remember there will be good in it. If you're willing to look for that good, if you're willing to embrace that good, Because when something bad happens, we only focus on the negative aspect of it. And because we focus only on the negative aspect of it, that is what we get out of that situation, negativity and hurt and misery. But remember that with everything, khair is also attached. Because there is nothing in this world that is pure evil. With evil, good is attached. With every evil. I mean, if you think about it, when the Prophet ﷺ went to a ta'if and he returned from there, how would you describe the incident of a ta'if? It was bad. It was a big fail, wasn't it? I mean, the Prophet ﷺ went to a ta'if in hopes that he would get some support. First of all, he doesn't get any support. And secondly, he is literally chased out of the city. And when he's chased out of the city, he's not just chased out, he's hurt, he's physically attacked. But still there was good in it. There was good in it. What is that good? When you study the seerah, you see it. The Prophet ﷺ chose to forgive the people of Ta'if at that time. And imagine what a great victory that was, being able to forgive. And that is so important for a da'i. So anyway, here also Allah says, بَلْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ Rather, it was good for you. Now think about it. You heard the incident, right? What good do you think was there in this incident? Tell the person sitting next to you. Look for something positive in this incident. Something that brings hope. Everybody.
Okay. Go ahead. Despite what happened with her and how you know she felt she was innocent, you know she needed to defend herself. She kept quiet in history. She didn't really interrogate the Prophet ﷺ. And also after all of that crying and weeping, at the end she was patient because she realized that it was only Allah that whom she can rely on, it. and Allah knew whether she was innocent or not. Even her parents at a point were you know doubting her, and she was patient and she had beautiful patience. And I think that was really beautiful. So what good came out from this? That she was patient yes. and she trusted on Allah. Yes. That it was such a huge test for Aisha radiallahu anha, for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, for Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. I mean, these three people are not ordinary people, right? They're not ordinary. Imagine the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Khatamul Anbiya, the best of all creation, him, and then after him Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, the close companion of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and then. Aisha radiallahu anha, the most beloved wife of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam after Khadija radiallahu anha. Right? So, you know, these three people were so hurt for a whole month. Imagine, they are worried, they are hurt, but they get a chance to observe beautiful patience. And for their beautiful patience, you think they won't be rewarded? You think their darajat are not going to be increased? Khair came out, right? Okay, what other khair came out? I think uh, the fact that they like kind of had a fight, I guess, it would have brought them closer. You know, because like, I know with my friends, if I ever have like an argument or fight or whatever, and we make up, like we're closer. Yeah, we see that even though this incident happened, the Prophet ﷺ, they never confronted one another about this. There was no argument between them. But still, there was a distance. Alright, there was a distance. And this carried on for an entire month. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed her innocence, right, imagine how much more the Prophet ﷺ would appreciate her. Go ahead. Um, I thought the beauty of it was that the ayah came down for her. In this kind of incident, when the ayah came down, it's, it declares her innocence in the Qur'an. Something yes. that's authentic. Yes, so the ayat are revealed declaring her innocence, declaring the innocence of Safwan radiallahu anhu. So all of these people there, the rajat are elevated. Okay, what other good came out from this incident? So uh, me and my friend just discussed and we said that it was it serves kind of as a lesson for us today. Mm-hmm. Firstly, in the fact that and also the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, that they wouldn't know how to deal with such a situation and the gravity of the situation if that hadn't happened. And because of that, there is also the law about how to deal with somebody who had slandered. Mm-hmm. And also, secondly, we said that it just proves that the Qur'an is the word of Allah yes. because um, the Prophet ﷺ wouldn't have said this on his own. Exactly. Because of this incident, we are taught so many lessons, so many ahkam came about because of this incident. So it became a source of khair. It was very difficult, it was very heavy upon Aisha anha. But because of this incident, what happened? So many laws came. As you will see in this surah, there's so many commands that are given. And the context of the surah is the incident of ifk. That we should always forgive and forget those who do wrong to us. Because even if they're close to us and they're being needy, you should always forgive and forget. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes those, uh, loves those who forgive and forget those other people. Yes, a lesson for us, right? An example for us. Hazrat Aisha, 
who became uh, such a, a gatherer of hadith and source of uh, delivering so many messages. So through that, Allah Ta'ala has because she has lived so many years after Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi so Allah Taala has kind of protected her and raised the status of all his wives that their status is not like other women, so that people were become cautious for the future because she was so young and she has lived so many years after. Yes. So Allah Taala has protected her reputation forever. So through this incident, we see that the reputation of Aisha radhiallahu anha is preserved for the future. Assalamu alaikum. And there was a lesson for the whole community as a Muslim or Murafiqin, whatever was living there, because it shows that the Prophet, even though he gets revelation from God, he's a human and he goes through same as problems the others. Yes. And the way he dealt with it, and he did not punish them, even though he got upset, but he did not punish them, those who did wrong to him and his wife. So. It shows that he is a human as anybody else. Yeah. And if you think about it, um, if the family of the Prophet ﷺ can be attacked, then what do you think about the rest of the people? Can they be accused of something like this? And we see that so many women are accused of zina. And there is absolutely no proof. But they're accused very easily. So we see how the Prophet ﷺ dealt with that situation. He did not assume, right, anything. He did not assume that she was guilty. He did not assume that she was innocent. He basically waited for her confession. If she confesses, then she's guilty. If she does not confess, then she is innocent. So we are taught over here how to deal with a situation like this. That when someone is accused of this crime and there's no proof, how do you handle that? How do you deal with it? Go ahead. When there is nobody for somebody, remember Allah is always there. And yesterday there was a very good wedding happened in this Al-Huda. There was a girl convert. She used to come in listeners group and somebody used to clean the toilet quietly. She was all alone here. Her parents are in Kenya and her sister is in Jeddah. She was all alone living in a basement. She convert. And um, somebody used to clean the toilet quietly. And I was thinking that in the weekdays, the toilet is messy. In the weekends, when there's a lot of students are there, who clean this toilet and washing basins and all the uh, shoes are in the rack? And one day I was just, uh, you know, uh, sitting for that reason. I find out that was the girl. And then I came close to her. She was listening, sitting in my group. I asked her, she said, I am all alone and I am going to get married next month. And uh, the other day when the, we had a function, there were a lot of white sheets there and nobody was there to wash it out. So I tell her to just help this today's volunteer. And she couldn't finish the job on that day. She came other day, for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And um, when she was coming, then the director, Armubin Qurashi, came. She said that, uh, do you have any volunteer? I want to have go to the printing. I sent that girl. And that girl helped her. And Mubin Qurashi said, who is that girl? She's so nice, such an, I told her she's getting married. She said, get her number immediately. I want to find out, I want this and that. And yesterday, finally, she got married in Alhuda, and it was a grand wedding, and we were all family on behalf of her. And yesterday, my Iman built up so much. I said, if she have good intention, this is the result of intention. Yes. This is the result. She has nobody, and yesterday we have 25 people, a big banquet, a big dinner. Everybody gave her the cash and the gifts, and I was so happy. I said, Allah will reward if you have a good intention, and if you have nobody, Allah is there for you. Yes. This is the lesson. 
that many times you feel alone, defenseless. How do you even say anything to, to defend yourself or to demand your rights? You can't even do much. And look at the situation of Aisha radiallahu anha. Even though she's the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, people are not trusting her. So it doesn't matter who you are. You could have a very established position somewhere, but people don't trust you. They accuse you. But at that time you realize that it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whom I should be seeking. So imagine the connection that Aisha had with her Lord. How much that strengthened through this hardship. So, لَا تَحْسَبُوهُ شَرٌ لَكُمْ Do not think of this to be bad for you, بَلْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ I was just thinking that it clarified between who the hypocrites were and who the companions were. Yes. And if they were the companions, the Prophet ﷺ found out, you know, where do they need reformation? What parts do they need to fix? Exactly. Through this incident, what happened? The weaknesses that existed in that society were exposed. Right? That people are accepting these rumors and they're passing them on without confirmation. They're speaking without knowledge. They're talking about something that is very serious in a very light manner. They don't realize the enormity of this matter and they're talking about it so casually. So this weakness was exposed. And when this weakness was exposed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent guidance concerning this. And that became a source of khair for us also. Right? And then likewise, like she mentioned that the munafiqoon were exposed. Because up until now, you could see that the conversation that happened in the masjid, how the, some people stood up in defense of Abdullah bin Ubay. Right? But after this incident, it became very clear who Abdullah bin Ubay was in reality. It became evident to everybody that he was not a sincere believer. He was indeed a munafiq. So the true believers were exposed, the munafiqun were exposed. Much khair came out from this. And the main lesson we learn here is, no matter what happens, no matter how annoyed, hurt you are, there is good. If Allah let it happen, there is khair. Seek that khair. Focus on that khair. Assalamu alaikum. I was, this passage gave me such a huge appreciation for sunnah. Up till now we have read a part of seerah. We have covered it in the class. But it just gave me, it made me appreciate Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa the companions, and the whole concept and the hikmah of having a messenger and his family and his companions as an example for us. Imagine having Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealing a small notebook of do's and don'ts and saying, you do this, you don't do this. But yes, it was a huge test for them. But had this not have happened, how would we relate to the laws? How do we say, why do we have to avoid this and don't do this and do this? And this hikmah is only from Allah. Like I cannot have appreciated this to this extent until this. Yes. Because if you, if you think about it, this incident could have happened with somebody else's family. Somebody else's wife. There were many companions over there in Medina, right? Many weird companions, people who had a good reputation. Could have happened to their wife. But Allah decreed that this happened with whose wife? The wife of Rasulullah ﷺ. Again, it could have happened with any of his wives, but Allah decreed that it happened with who? Aisha radiallahu anha. Because when the Prophet ﷺ and Aisha radiallahu anha are going through this test, look at how beautifully they deal with the situation. Look at how Aisha radiallahu anha does not, you know, become angry with Rasulullah ﷺ. She does not say anything until she confirms. And the Prophet ﷺ also does not say anything to her because she's ill. Look at the beauty of how they deal with this big test. 
Look at the akhlaq. Look at the ihsan over here. And what happens with us? That just because we have a disagreement with someone, our akhlaq goes out the window, we stoop to such a low level, what happens to us? Look at how they dealt with this huge test. One of the companions of the three was supported by Abu Bakr radiallahu anh financially. And after this incident, Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, he did not want to support him because obviously it hurt his family, his daughter, the, uh, the Prophet wasallam so much. But again, in essence of this verse, that they're still a part of you. And so one of the companions told him that, no, don't do this. You should continue Allah to support told him. him. Right, exactly. In the Quran, this is revealed, inshallah, as you will learn. Hmm? So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he doubled the financial support that he used to give to Mislah. Much good came out. Go ahead. I also found it really cool how the Prophet ﷺ, when he was telling Aisha huh, he was like, if you're innocent, like be patient and uh, Allah, Allah will reveal, reveal your it. innocence. Yeah. And uh, if you did something, then just ask for forgiveness. You know, and I found it so amazing how like he, like, he could advise someone so close to him without taking it personally. You know, like many times we're advising our friends or whatever, and we're, oh, what part does this play? Like, what part do I play in this situation? How does it benefit me and how does it harm me? Right? He's completely taking himself out of the picture. He's talking to Aisha anha. He's advising her because, you know, she was in that test. Assalamu I also thought it was very interesting to see how Safwan Radiallahuan, who also behaved, he did not react. He himself could have maybe done something to yeah. Abdullah Ubey and Salul, but he didn't do anything. So it was really there, interesting there to an, see him too. There is a narration in which we learned that Safwan Radiallahuan, he defended himself and he said that, by Allah, I've never even lifted the veil of a woman because he was unmarried at this point. Right? And he was so angry that he went to one of the people who were saying this and then he basically hit him, you know, with a stick or his bow and arrow or something like he just struck him. And the issue was brought to the Prophet ﷺ and the Prophet ﷺ let that companion take revenge. So basically Qasas was done. So he hit Safwan anhu back. Even though Safwan anhu was innocent, but he couldn't take action until guilt or innocence is established. You see the justice? Of our deen? Assalamu alaikum. We can learn from this like nowadays if we hear about something about someone, what do we do about it? Do we go and tell our best friend, you know what, did you hear this? Did you? We don't even bother to find out mm-hmm. whether it is this true. Yes. We start suspecting that person right away. We start looking down upon them. You know, these, there are lots of lessons in this for us for the present time also. Yes. And also if you think about it, you know, in the Quran, Allah says, "Inna Allaha yudafiru anil-ladina amanu." Allah defends those people who believe. You see how Aisha anha is defended over here. Allah revealed concerning her innocence. He exposed her innocence, and Quran is revealed. And also, if you think about it, the innocence was declared a month later. That whole month of waiting, waiting, waiting. What's going on at that time? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching. How does my servant behave? What does she say? What does she assume? How does she talk? Because sometimes we're just stuck in the middle. Right? We're neither going right nor are we going left. I mean, in this situation, you see Aisha radiallahu anha, neither is she being proven innocent nor is she being proven guilty. She's just stuck in the middle. For a whole month, the situation is like that. But look at how the Prophet 
was in that time, Aisha radiallahu anha was, how the other companions were. And this teaches us that, you know, we're being tested. What we should be most concerned about is our amal, our words. What do we do? What do we say? Because Allah put us in that test to watch what we do. الَّذِي خَلَقَ الْمَوْتَ وَالْحَيَاةَ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ He's testing you. Why? To see أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ عَمَلًا Assalamualaikum. I just found, find it really beautiful that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala waited a whole month to reveal her innocence, but it was right after the moment she called upon him, right? So she declared that she was going to be patient and then he was the only one who can help her. And soon after she was, her innocence was revealed. So I just found that really beautiful that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave her that opportunity. Yes. Then Allah says, لِكُلِّ For each person, min whom from them, Meaning for each person who was involved in this incident, in accusing Aisha radiallahu anha and Safwan, for each person is what? Ma that which iktasaba he has acquired min al-ism of the sin. Meaning, those who were involved in this crime, which crime? Of slander. Each individual is responsible for what he did. Each individual has earned his share of sin based on what he did. Because sometimes what happens is that, you know, like a plan fails or a big disaster happens, a big loss. And then you tell yourself, it's okay, inshallah there's khair in this. Right? So yes, there is khair in this. But those who are guilty, they are guilty. That doesn't make them innocent. You understand? Like for example, if... A brother and a sister are fighting and the parents wonder, why are my children always fighting? Right? And they comfort themselves, there must be some khair in this. Right? Maybe they're being prepared for the big bad world. Who knows what they're going to face in the future? Right? They're building resilience, they're building strength. Right? They're building confidence. Okay, there is khair. But that doesn't make the son innocent of the hurt that he is causing his sister. And it doesn't make the daughter innocent, free of guilt of the hurt that she's causing her brother. You understand? There is khair in every situation. However, people are responsible for what they do. لِكُلِّ مْرِئِمْ مِنْهُمْ مَكْتَسَبَ مِنَ الْإِسْمِ وَالَّذِي تَوَلَّى كِبْرَهُ And the one who tawalla. Remember that the word tawalla has different meanings. It means to turn away. But it also means to take wilaya, meaning to assume authority over something. Take leadership, because who is wali? Who is wali? Wali is like a friend, a close protecting friend. In a marriage contract, wali is the father. Right? So, someone with authority. So, alladhi tawalla, meaning the one who took over, the one who became mutawalli of, the one who assumed, what did he take? Kibrahu, it's greater share. Meaning the greater share of this entire incident. What was the greater share of this incident? Starting it. So in other words, the one who started it, the one who took upon himself the greater portion of it, he assumed most responsibility because he initiated it. Then Allah says, الَّذِي تَوَلَّى كِبْرَهُ مِنْهُمْ لَهُ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ For him is a great punishment. For him is a great punishment in the hereafter. So we see in this ayah, first of all, that the innocence of Aisha radiallahu anha is proven. Secondly, 
Allah teaches us that no matter what happens, however hurtful, however embarrassing, however unfair a situation may be, there will always be good, so focus on that good. Then we learn in this ayah that the one who initiates evil, he bears the sin of all those who follow him, right? without their sin being diminished. Then we also see over here that each person is responsible for the role that they have played. Each person is guilty of what they have done in a particular situation. 